The medicine of East Asia is based on a science that does not hold itself separate from the phenomena that it seeks to understand. Our medicine did not grow out of petri dish experimentation or double-blind studies. It arose from observing nature and our part in it. East Asian medicine evolves not from the examination of dead structures, but rather from living systems with their complex, mutually entangled interactions. Welcome to Geological. I'm Michael Max, the host of this podcast that goes in-depth on issues pertinent to practitioners and students of East Asian medicine. Dialogue and discussion have always been elemental to Chinese and other East Asian medicines. Listen into these conversations with experienced practitioners that go deep into how this ancient medicine is alive and unfolding in the modern clinic. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Geological. I'm really psyched to be sitting down with my pal around Evan today. Iran is an acupuncturist and he's an herbalist. He's in the ridiculously beautiful Port Moody area of Vancouver, British Columbia, where he runs the Rocky Point Wellness Clinic. He's also a translator. He did the Jingwei Gua, Gua, right? Gua. Fanga Gua. Fanga Gua. Jingwei Fanga Gua. Formulas from the Golden Cabinet with songs. It sounds kind of like a musical. This was published by the Chinese Medicine Database. And he's published translations in The Lantern, The Register of Chinese Herbal Medicine. He's got some other publications that he's been in. You can find this stuff on his website. Today, we are going to talk about, actually, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Today's Free Form Thursday. Ron and I often just hang out and talk about medicine. And some of the time when we're hanging out, I'm thinking, man, I wish I had the recorder on right now because... This guy's brilliant. So, Ron, welcome to Geological. Hey, Michael. Great to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. And this is so fun. You know, it, it, it's this opportunity to let people kind of eavesdrop a bit, maybe bring them into the conversation. Sure. Uh, Freeform Thursdays. I love it. Freeform Thursday, coming from yeah. a place of emptiness. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so, I want to start off with. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. 
Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code CHEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. As we were talking just before we uh, hit the record button, you were mentioning that you're headed back to China. Mm-hmm. You spent quite a bit of time studying in the Middle Kingdom. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering, is it all it's cracked up to be? In what, in what way? In a well, good way or know, in a bad way? Well, you know, we often hear people saying, oh, yeah, I want to go to China. I want to study. You know, right. I, want, I want to go to where the medicine came from. Right. Right. And uh, you've actually spent a fair amount of time there. I'm wondering your thoughts on this. I think it depends. I, I, I totally I understand the question. I think it, it depends. I think that, you know, people have this idea that, you know, you're going to go there and you're going to you're going to drink from the well and uh, and see where it all began, which I, I mean, in a sense is true. And I, I but I think it depends on the teachers you work with. I think it depends on, you know, if you're involved with an organization over there. I think that there there's kind of two sides to it. I think that there is the aspect of there's not a not a show or a performance, but it's you know it's you're not getting the true true essence there. I think that you know because of the concept of saving face there and stuff. I think sometimes they want to show the Westerner more than it actually is in a sense. And and I mean you you also get teachers there that their intention isn't necessarily to teach. There is the money aspect there as well. 
And I think it also depends on the style of medicine you're, you're interested in. I, I, you know, I've been, I've been very lucky the years that I've been going back and forth to China. Uh, I've always been connected with really great teachers that are on paths that, you know, similar to where I want to be and, and, you know, teachers that I want to emulate and stuff. So I, I've been very lucky, but I've heard horror stories as well, you know, where people go there, they never really, they don't understand what's happening. They never really explained what's happening. They, they sit in with doctors who write formulas that have, you know, 20 to 50 herbs in there with no, no logic or no rhyme, you know, rhyme or reason to these formulas. And, and then they come back more confused or feeling like, mm. you know, hey, China was cool. I ate some really interesting food and I saw some really interesting things, but it didn't really shape or change my view of the medicine or really open things up for me and potentially even left you more confused, right? So, and I, yeah. I hear that a lot actually from a lot of people who, who will jump around to the different wards and stuff, see a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but never actually leave with any form of any substance or anything that they can really take home and utilize in their clinics, right? Okay. So, yeah, I remember in some of the time that I spent in China, especially in the acupuncture clinics, that I'd see things that to me as an acupuncturist were interesting. But in terms of taking some of that back home and using it on patients in the West, there was no way that I was going to attempt to treat them <laughs> that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Liability issues. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, we saw a ton of I mean, years ago, this was in Beijing. I haven't actually spent time in an acupuncture ward in, oh gosh, at least 15 years. But when I originally did and lived in Beijing, we did a lot of fire needling, but like, you know, the intense fire needling and, uh, and, and some of the, the daoja and, you know, the, um, the knife needling. I don't even know what the ink's term for it, but, you know, where they, they, they needle with these thick blades and uh, uh, it's pretty wild. And I, I, I've, I don't think I've ever used any of these techniques in the last 15 or so years. I remember one patient where I did fire needling on and I was still uncomfortable and I had them sign a bunch of stuff and it's just the liability issues, right? So, yeah. and that's the, that, that's the cool thing. I mean, I think if, if, if anything, somebody should at least spend a day or a couple days or a week in an acupuncture room in a hospital in China because even if you don't learn anything, it is a sight to see. I mean, it's kind of like going to Cirque du Soleil. You know, you, <laughs> you, you should experience it at least once, you know, it's, it's it's wild, you know, and if you and if you're lucky enough to have a great teacher who explains things and lets you needle and lets you palpate and lets you do things, and all the better. Yeah, all the yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. There's the things like the liabilities. You know, there's also sometimes the technique is so brutally strong. I remember seeing this guy in Taiwan. His specialty was doing all these points around the eyes and around the face. And uh, <laughs> right. yeah. oh my god, it's just I'm. I mean, his clinic was busy. He was very, very, he was like yeah. incredibly busy. And I would watch him put needles in people and they would just sit there. And uh, I mean, sometimes you get tears leaking out of their eyes, right? Because it's just so painful, but he's the famous doctor. So you can't say no and you can't, you can't show that you're not appreciating it. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've wondered a lot about, you know, I, just when patients ask and stuff about the technique and stuff where they've experienced other acupuncturists that have a stronger, more aggressive technique than I do and stuff, you know, you wonder if how much of that is effective, you know, like, do we need to be that aggressive? Because if, you know, look at, look at what they're doing in Japan, right? And the style that comes out of Japan, it's so gentle. And, you know, a lot of times you barely feel the needle and yet they still got these amazing results, right? So it's something, it's something I think about a lot, you know, do, do we need to be this aggressive? Because yeah, I mean, I've seen, I know what you're talking about and I've seen some 
really intense, really aggressive horror movie like situations in some of these Chinese hospitals. And I mean, is that necessary, right? Or is it just a cultural thing? You know, I mean, I think it's probably a much deeper question and probably an entire podcast could be devoted to this question. But uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. It is. I do wonder about yeah, yeah. I will. And when I look at, well, my own work, for example, right? Mm. Um, partly because I'm not like a Chinese farmer. So mm-hmm. needles for me, I mean, a little goes a long way. And so I tend to be pretty sensitive to them. And I know that most of my patients coming in, of course, their first question is, is this going to be painful? And, you know, I've been at this for 20 years and, and, you know, I don't always help people, but it seems like I help people enough that it's like worth doing this. And my technique is fairly <laughs> gentle. I mean, I've had some background in China. I'm sorry. Well, both Chinese and the Japanese mm-hmm. work. Um, mm-hmm. I found mm-hmm. that it's possible to slide a needle in pretty gently and then like work it to where you want it and then like slowly turn it up and bring it on. You can, you can get some good yeah. chi. Yeah, absolutely. You don't necessarily have to levitate them and, you know, waste their wei chi by making them sweat profusely. Exactly, exactly. I totally agree with that. And I mean, that's, that was my, that was my teacher's style. And she, you know, was a Chinese woman trained in the Chinese system, but also spent a little bit of time in Japan. Mm. And I think the beauty of what she did was she kind of blended the two worlds where she, you know, she knew when to be aggressive or, or knew when to be a little bit tough on her patients but also knew when to be gentle and could put a needle in into a you know a six-month-old baby and and that baby would never even notice it and she had this incredible style and it's it's something that i've always tried to emulate i mean it is my goal to to be even you know five percent as good as she was right and uh you know, so it's it's a beautiful thing. I think that if we can kind of incorporate the two, it's probably the best way to go. Well, you know, you bring up a really good point here, too. We're just talking about China, what it's like to be there, what it's like to learn there. And, uh, you know, it can be pretty hit or miss. I remember having some herbal clinics I sat in on with some very, very young doctors who were really not interested in the tongue or pulse. They were interested in what herbs did from a uh, scientific, here's what we did studies mm-hmm. on perspective, and they actually prescribed herbs that way. I mean, there are there are people that right. work that way. And then, you know, there are people that work very, very traditionally. So sometimes you get lucky and you, and you get someone like your teacher who mm-hmm. gives you enough to think about for a lifetime. Right. You know? you right. Know, and speaking of Japan, yeah. you mm-hmm. hang out these days quite a bit with Dr. Huang Huang, who... I do speaking of Japan, right? Yes. I mean, he's not Japanese, but he spent quite a bit of time there, and it's been influential in his work. It's been absolutely influential. He spent he spent a number of I think he went in the late '80s to finish maybe his master's or to do some 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 work over there, and then ended up going back and doing his doctoral degree at the university in Japan. And uh, I mean, he spent years researching. The old Japanese uh, Jingfang doctors and uh, and looking at Kampo style and I think that's hugely influenced his work now hugely just with his whole constitutional work and uh, uh, Todo Yashimoto and stuff and uh, I think he's he's really influenced by the Japanese absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So you're doing a PhD with him right now. I am. Yeah, I, I am. I started that in 2015. So I started about three years ago. 
and I've got basically till March of next year to to finish my thesis to to basically defend 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 the title and uh, and hopefully 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 graduate. But it's 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 been an amazing experience. I mean, it's really you know my my times of going back back and forth to China are really incredible because spending time with Dr. Huang and I mean you I know you know Dr. Huang personally and actually I wouldn't have known about Dr. Huang as is just a sidebar if it wasn't for your old blog the uh was it classic oh formulas? yeah classic classical formulas yeah way back way when back and then when. I remember reading way back when and then I remember reading about his uh Dali Fang that I knew you were in the process of potentially translating it and stuff so that's that was my first introduction and that probably would have been 2008 2009 that, that's maybe probably a little bit earlier because it it came out in 2009 I've been working on it, I think since roughly 2006 ish oh then it must have been around then, yeah. then. okay yeah Long because time. my Shodale Fang is a is the first ver- is the first uh, publication the first published one so and when I bring it to China with me people laugh and they're like oh you have such an old one and uh, it's the tiny little one I don't know if you've seen a more recent one but it's a lot bigger now um, well he's added some stuff to it but it's now uh, is I love that the is he pencil. in a third printing with that because I translated I out of the he's second in the third or fourth oh really oh you did this. You did the second. Oh, okay. I think there's a, at least a third or a fourth now. Well, dang it. When I go to China, I, I, I need I, to get a I, copy. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I, I, I believe it's at least a third edition. So I thought you did the first edition, but uh, that's interesting. Well, I started with the first edition. And then mm-hmm. as I was starting to get into it, the second edition came out. So we're like, all right, let's let's might as well. So I, I kind of mm-hmm. read both of them simultaneously. Right, right. <laughs> That's that's great. And I mean, it's like little subtle, little bits of, that that change, right? I mean, a lot of the, the core information is still there, but I think he just adds a little bit here and a little bit there, and that's essentially all he's done for um, for these latest editions. Yeah. But it is a little bit bigger, so you know. And I haven't combed through the entire thing, so I haven't really been able to find exactly what the differences are. But um, there may be a few more formulas in there okay. as well. It'd be, it'd be worth looking at. I know that. Absolutely. The, yeah. the fun thing about doing that book is that I would often have questions and Huang Huang is like really good on the email. So I'd have a question. I'd like email him a question. I'd have an answer back. If it took more than 24 hours, he was either sick or out of town. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's so that's it, it's, you know, no longer email. It's now it's WeChat. Yeah. And he's he's quick on the WeChat. So <laughs> You're talking days of email way back when, right? Now it's everything is done through WeChat. I mean, it's, it's and I mean, you know exactly how it is, right? It's so pervasive in the culture there right now that if I have a question, you know, for the dean of graduate students at the at Nanjing University, I can send her a WeChat and get a response within, you know, sometimes three minutes. It's pretty wild, actually, the how it's taken over. And Dr. Huang is so generous with his time. And uh, even, you know, sometimes I'll send him really seemingly silly questions and stuff. And, uh, and he's generally pretty good about responding very quickly and, and having this really great insight. And, uh, you know, where you're like, Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that, right? Because there's been a lot of back and forth over the last couple of years, just with thesis subjects and ideas and things that he kind of wants for us to do and stuff. So, um, and he's just always so generous. And every time we're in Nanjing as well, um, he just he really goes out of his way to make sure that we get as much clinical time with him as yeah. possible, and as much as much as he can and give his us. His clinic right? is just, busy. 
It's really yeah. busy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really busy. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. So I'm curious, what are you working on for your thesis here? What are you, uh, what's got your attention at the moment? <laughs> what's got my attention? So it's gone a little bit back and forth. So originally what I had, had what I was starting with was kind of a dissection and a breakdown of the Shu Lao chapter, the deficiency taxation chapter from the Jingwei mm -hmm. Yare. Um, and I was working on that for a little while. And then after I did my, um, last year I did my Kai T, my, um, uh, how do you call that in English? But it's like basically where you do your, your outline proposal and stuff, uh, in front yeah, of the, Kai -T Dr. Is your, like, you're putting forth the subject that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, like you're, your outline presentation, your, your, your concept presentation. Anyways, after I did that, um, you know, you get a lot, what, what's so great about that is it's, you know, it's an opportunity to really break down everything you've been working on and throw it out and start from scratch. And that's kind of what happened to me and where, you know, Dr. Huang will basically give you his feedback and give you some ideas and stuff and maybe even give you some direction. Um, in the past, most of his students have done basically their their topics have been a formula where they'll do like Dangwe Sinitang or Dangwe Shaiyasan or Guizhu Fulingwan or some of his own formulas that he's kind of created and stuff and then just break those down and give a presentation. And I think that he's kind of changed the way he, he wants he, – he, he's what he's looking for these days is – he still wants us to really kind of adhere to the classical stuff, but he wants us to put a little bit of a modern spin because I think that part of his objective is that he wants to see Jing Fang, you know, the classic formulas really move forward. Now, with that being said, he's not trying to biomedicalize it or turn it into kind of what's what we see in a lot of the TCM world right now, but he wants us to basically take old concepts and try to explain them through a modern lens and stuff, which, which I think is pretty cool, right? So Huang is uh, having you guys, so it's not, it's not the usual right? where it's like, we're going to take Chinese medicine and kind of cram it into a Western biomedical. He's asking you to take some traditional concepts 
and just see how does that play in the world now? How can you take that and apply that to some things that we're seeing, you know, as we understand medicine and life in, in, in the current age? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, it's not the integrative model that he wants us to do. It's not, it's not exactly, it's not trying to biomedicalize the classics or anything. It's just about the lens that we're viewing things. And because we are, we do work in the modern day, we work, you know, there's all this amazing research that's coming out and we're, you know, we're understanding more about the human body with things like epigenetics and, you know, and various bacterias and stuff and how we interact with microbes in the world and stuff. And, and, and I mean, we can't deny all this stuff. And not that I don't practice in a purely classical way. I, I do, and I still adhere to that. But it is important to, 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 to you know, still study the current kind of world we're living in, right? And I mean, that's what Chinese medicine has always done, right? It's, 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 a, it's a medicine where we study our surroundings and we, we, we learn about our surroundings and we basically incorporate the medicine through that understanding, right? And yeah, so, it's like Chinese medicine is the Borg. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Borg. Um, right. And so, you know, we work from that model. And so essentially what, you know, he wants us to do is to to look at it, you know, using a classic formula or a classical concept and then understand it a little bit deeper through a modern kind of lens and stuff. And so essentially the research that I've been doing over the last little while and I mean, you know, the, the thesis has, my thesis at least, has been kind of morphing over the last couple of years and stuff. And I mean, I don't even really have a title for it. Uh, it kind of changes as I write and stuff. And I'm kind of letting it unfold as I put my thoughts on paper and stuff. But essentially, I, I'm, I'm studying Zhongqi. I'm studying the center. And I'm studying, you know, the understanding of how, you know, when a gut is disordered, how that will affect the entire human body, not just manifest in digestive symptoms, but how that affects our overall immunity and stuff, and really analyzing the works, you know, from the Huang Di Neijing, looking at Li Dongyan's work, uh, obviously doing a lot of the focus on Zhang Zhongjing and, and the Shang Han Lun and stuff. And so I'm looking at, at the gut, and I'm also, you know, alongside that, doing research on this idea of the microbiome, and looking at how our gut flora or, you know, our bacterial counts, basically how that influences the human body, how that can create a multitude of disorders and stuff. Um, and I mean, essentially, you know, I, I should probably call my thesis, you know, all disease begins in the gut because and that's following the words of Hippocrates, who, you know, said that a very long time ago, you know, well over 2000 years ago. And the Chinese have been saying that as well. And so what I'm doing is I'm putting, a, you know, trying to research that from a modern perspective, looking at it through the microbiome, looking at how a altered gut flora, how an altered gut system affects our overall immunity, how it can manifest into a, a whole host of chronic deep-seated conditions, and then flipping that over and then analyzing that through a classical system and then now I'm just trying to figure out how to tie it all together. Um, and the formulas that I am using, the formulas that I am using as my basis for everything are the two of the Jianzhong Tang formulas. And so primarily Xiao Jianzhong Tang and Huangqi Jianzhong Tang uh, from the Shanghan and the Jingwei from the Shanghan Zabing Lun. And looking at the concept of Jianzhong, you know, strengthening the center as the basis for this and then trying to literally tie it all together. And like I said before, 
you know, my my entire vision and outline isn't even fully clear yet. It's just it's been unfolding as I write. And the more I write, the more I discover and the more I learn and the more I think like, oh, my God, this is like bigger than a thesis. Right. So I have to kind of narrow it down. A thesis is a great place to start the work. But, yeah, you could work mm -hmm. on this for 20 years. You know, it, and it's great. So you're working out of the Jingwei Yaoyue. You're working with Zhang Zhongjing's stuff. You're bringing in Li Dongyuan, which, you know, I mean, of course, it's like, God, wouldn't it be great to sit down with Li Dongyuan right now and have some poor cha and, and uh, <laughs> you know, be able to talk about how he sees the middle because this is, this is clearly what you're looking at. The microbiome, I think, in many ways really helps to explain a lot of the you know those little snippets that we get about the earth being so important and everything goes back to the center you know i remember hearing that when i was in school and i was thinking oh yeah that's nice earth in the center very poetic oh yes our digestion very important very nice but when i think about the gut biome and and what little i know about the extensive ways that our bodies sort of dance to its tune, then the center be, really does become just that important. And I'm fascinated here that you're using something as simple as Jinzongtang as, as your way of looking. I mean, Jinzongtang is a simple little formula. Is it though? Is it a simple formula? I'll talk to us. <laughs> all right, all right. You're the expert here. Let's let's hear about it. Well, no, I mean, I'm not the expert yet, but uh, you know, I'm still it's it's still a work unfolding. But yeah, I mean, what's seemingly simple is truly it, it can be very complex because it's just like you know when we learn about Guizhitang, you know, and Xiao Jianzhongtang is Guizhitang essentially with you know the double Bai Shao and the Yi Tang. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we learn about Gui Zetang as like, oh, it just treats common colds. You know, if you're a weak person and you have a common cold, take Gui Zetang. But, you know, it's so much bigger than that, right? Because, I mean, to draw the parallel between, you know, the center chi and the microbiome, I mean, if we look at the function of the microbiome and, you know, we understand that it has this, you know, really, really incredible effect on on our immunity, on our, you know, our ability to kind of break down and assimilate nutrients. And we, you know, we see that it has an effect on processing and digesting vitamins and stuff. And we read about, the more I read about it, the more I understand it, the more it just sounds like spleen function, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what the spleen does, right? It breaks down, it assimilates, it transports, it's trans, it transforms, it's a, essentially extracting the vital s the 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 jing from our food and stuff and and transforming it into chi and into blood and stuff and so you know that it gets me very excited when you know i mean maybe at the end of the day i mean maybe you know they didn't really know about the microbiome 2000 years ago but they understood how the body was functioning they understood physiology we are are a physiologically based medicine and so while they didn't maybe maybe they didn't call it that i mean the microbiome obviously existed our bacteria sure has changed over the years with you know with the the advent of modern technology and food changes and stuff and environmental factors everything's is transforming a lot but it was still there it was still present and so i i think that it's probably safe to say that on a very basic level i mean that the a big part of the microbiome's function is essentially 
the responsibility of, of, of the tie-in, you know, of the spleen, of the stomach, and then again of the large and small intestines and stuff. And so essentially this work is trying to, to draw a very strong correlation to that and looking at the, poten- the potentiality of treating a lot of these seemingly unrelated conditions, you know, to the gut with formulas like Xiao Jian Zhong Tang and Huang Qi Jian Zhong Tang and, and laying out a very strong and solid framework for using these formulas and not just saying, oh, you've got this kind of weird condition that we don't know what it is, take Xiao Jian Zhong Tang. I mean, obviously there has to be a framework for it and obviously there'll be other formulas too, um, but for the purpose of this thesis and the purpose of, of this research right now, I, I am just going to focus on the Jian Zhong concept here. If that makes any sense. I mean, I kind of go off on these little tangents and stuff. But I mean, to me, it totally makes sense. And when I hear things like, oh, the microbiome is uh, has an effect. It's, it's, in fact, it's part of the immune system. It helps regulate the immune system. And then we think about Guajitang, right? right? It's famous for what? You know, Tiali, right? Mm-hmm. Tiali, Yingwei. Right? You adjust the ying, the, the ying and the wei. Exactly. And so you look at something right. like Xiao Tang which is a variation of Guajitang. And what are we doing? We're looking at harmonizing the ing and the way. You know, it's a very simple little sentence and we can go, that's nice. But when we start to look at it, especially like, like you're talking about here, we're looking through the lens of the microbiome. It's like, holy smokes, there's so much that might fit under this. But if we're just thinking, oh, a little digestive thing, we might miss the importance of, oh, this little digestive thing is not a little thing. It is actually the thing. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 exactly. And I mean, if we look at, you know, the pro- the primary use of a formula like Xiao Jinjong Tang and Huang Qi Jinjong Tang, you know, Xiao Jinjong Tang was in the Shanghai Lun, but I think a big, big usage for it is found in the Shulao chapter. And that's kind of how I ended up here because originally doing research on the Shulao and trying to tie it up to, to this concept as well, I came, I came to the conclusion that it's really just a couple formulas that need to be focused on. And when we look at the concept of Shulao, I mean, it is, it is a whole host of symptoms and signs that are so beyond just the digestive system. I mean, people have looked at Huangti Jianzhong Tang for the treatment of MS, um, you know, based on a couple lines in the Jingwei. And, you know, now there's also this research that's showing that that, you know, a con- this concept of dysbiosis or where the, you know, the bac- our bacterial fingerprint is is affected, that it creates a whole host of mental conditions as well or neurological conditions as well. And they're, they're looking at you know, the possibility of MS, of Parkinson's, of Alzheimer's and stuff that could be potentially caused from an initial disruption to uh, the microbiome and stuff, right? So, so it's just it's it's really fascinating because, and I mean, there's so much more to it. And I mean, I'm really just in the, the, the you know the breaking down of these concepts and stuff. I don't feel fully comfortable, really still learning, right? I'm still in that learning stage right now. But it, the more I read, the more fascinating it gets, and the more exciting it gets, and the more stressful it gets because I'm like, how can I write all this, and how do I have enough time to? put all this together and stuff and it's 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 absolutely exciting and i'm really hoping that the more i dig the more i find right and so in recent years the saam acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following 
In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. It seems to work that way, that the more we dig, the more we find. And as far as how you get it all done, well, our Chinese friends would simply say, man man lai. Exactly. It's like you just move slowly it doesn't mean it doesn't mean be lazy it just means move slowly intently in the direction that you're headed and you'll get there it just takes time right yeah yeah drink a little tea on the way you know enjoy yourself i drink a lot of tea on the way that's that that happens for sure (laughs) that happens for sure but uh yeah so i mean it's it's really really exciting research and and dr huang and the best part of it all is Dr. Huang is excited by it. And mm. I think that that for me that was the most important because I didn't want to just I didn't want to just write a thesis to graduate. I wanted to make a contribution. I wanted to do something different. And at the end of the day, I wanted to make my Dauscher. I wanted to make my advisor happy, right? I want him to be proud of the work and stuff. And that's that is ultimately my goal, you know, with this paper is that is that I can present something to him that would make him happy you know for taking me on as as a graduate student right so it sounds great i mean it sounds really it's the kind of thing that because it makes so much sense from our western point of view as well we're able to draw some lines that we might not have seen before and from that other people will probably get ideas and go well what you know what what about this and this you know you start connecting dots that uh you know, once a few dots have been connected and a pattern starts to emerge, you can see more of the pattern that's there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then in hopes that, you know, that turns into research of more formulas because I can't, you know, this isn't, I'm not offering right now a full treatment of every possible condition that could potentially manifest. I don't think that's realistic with just one or two formulas, but hopefully that will develop after this is done into, you know, the exploration of, Various other. Should I just go? Actually, you know what? I'm just going to say something here. Like, you know, it's really frustrating. I don't know what it is. There might be like sunspots or something with the weather, but we've been having a little trouble with our audio today. So, dear listeners, I'd like to bring you the best dang audio possible, but I'm sorry. Today, it's just a little not as up to snuff. So, please bear with us as we get back to our show in progress here. What were we talking about? The last thing that I, I think that I was talking about was that my hopes would be that even after this is done, after this has been published, that it would lead to 
the exploration of more formulas because I'm not trying to offer an entire framework to treat all these conditions because using two formulas is, is not realistic. There's no pattern identification. There's no, you know, that's not adhering to the true style of the medicine that we practice. Once the concept is opened up, once we've opened up new lenses, new ways of looking at these things, it could open up the possibility for further exploration. Because, I mean, in our practices, we see, we kind of get a lot of the last resort folks. Oh, my God. We, you know, it's like we see the refugees. <laughs> exactly. The refugees. Well, we do. It's good. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was going to say, prior to our technical difficulties here, mm-hmm. is... There's books, if you look in the Chinese bookstores in China, and they'll have books on a formula. You can get like a whole book on Bujong Yi Chitang, right? Absolutely. Or a whole book on yeah. Chao Jin Zong Tang. It's, it's a whole book, right? And they've got all these different people that use this mm-hmm. formula in all these different ways. And so I just heard you saying, well, I'm just working on, you know, Xiao Jin Zong Tang and Huang Qi Jin Zong Tang. But man, you could do a book on each of those. Yeah, absolutely. And they already exist. So, I mean, there's already, I've got a couple books on Sha Jin Zhong Tang. Like you said, I mean, these are, you know, two to 300 page books on one formula. I mean, it goes even crazier than that. I remember in Nanjing last year at the bookstore finding a 1500 page book on Chuan Xiong on a herb. And I mean, that's, it was 1500 pages in Chinese. Wow. Whoa. So, imagine what that would be yeah. in English. You put, right? in English, so, you put wheels on the damn thing. Exactly. It's like multi-volumes, right? So, and I mean, that's that's the thing, though. It's I need to focus on one formula. I can't just be scattered all over the place and because essentially I'm still adhering to the way Dr. Huang was used to, you know? And I mean, it's, it's it, you know, I, and I've read probably all of his student theses over the last couple of years, and they're all pretty much formulas. And they're all, I mean, the majority of them are are really good and they break down Huang's way of looking. There's a just this timeline of, of understanding the formula, how it's morphed to the ages and stuff. So, I mean, you can, you definitely can put a book together. And I mean, maybe, you know, because Xiao Jin Zhong Tang, Huang Qi Jin Zhong are such incredible formulas that are so multifaceted in their usage, maybe a book is a good idea, right? Yeah, just, I mean, we obviously need one more thing to do, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm just not doing enough. Nothing but free time. I need more projects. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. My wife would love yeah. that. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple other little things I want to get into here, and then we're going to have to wind it down mm. because I've got patients sure. I have to go see. So anyway, I got, I, got a, I got a pop quiz question for you. I thought it would be fun to ask. Oh, my goodness. I know. I've never asked anybody this question before. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure here, but okay. You know... You should. <laughs> I know, I am. Okay. Good. Bring it. Bring it. So here's what I'm curious about. I'm one I mean, you've been at this for a while. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you believe about medicine now that you didn't believe ten years ago. Oh, that's a great, great question. That's why I saved it for you. Dig digging deep, man. Is there anything Okay, so say it again. So if, yeah. is there anything I believe now? Yep, about medicine that you didn't believe 10 years ago. <laughs> that is a great question. I think that probably 10 years ago, you know, maybe longer, I thought, I, 
I don't really know. I think it's, I think we learn about our own limitations, right? And I think that when we get out of school and when we start to practice, we think we can do everything. And we either, some of us quickly, some of us slowly learn that we can't and we can only help so many people and stuff. And, uh, and, but I mean, I probably knew that before. I, I think I just don't think I've learned. That's a great question. I honestly, I, I, I can't think of anything. Well, you you just did think of something. And it's actually something near and dear to my heart as well. Because I remember okay. first getting out of school and thinking, oh, man, I can treat anything. You know, I can heal the world. Right. I've got, you know, I've got some amazing stuff here. And and what I've come to discover over time is that there's some things that it's, it's like if people call me and say, do you treat this? My answer is no. Right. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not, I'm not even going to suggest that Chinese medicine is going to help you with this because you're just going to say Chinese medicine doesn't work. Right. Right. Yeah. You know what? I, I, so, I, so I guess, I mean, that will be my answer. I, I, it's, it's learning about my own limitations and realizing what the medicine can and cannot do. I think that it's still a process that's unfolding for me. I, I think, I, you know, I mean, we're always learning, right? Oh, it's, all the time. You know, I've said it's this painful. before that, I'm not really going to understand anything until I'm on my deathbed, you know, and then it'll be just like this awakening, this moment of like, yes, of course, you know, and, if you're lucky and, and then I'll move on if I'm lucky. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think I find myself doing that a lot with acupuncture is that I know that there's a lot of people that, that say that they can treat anything with acupuncture. And I mean, if they can power to them, I, that's not been my experience. So I, I do find that a lot of times a patient will come in expecting acupuncture and actually, this happens. This happens almost all the time. And I'll tell them, well, I don't know how to treat that with acupuncture, or that's not really what we would use acupuncture for. If you went into a Chinese hospital, you wouldn't get acupuncture. And then I go into my whole herb spiel and stuff. So I think that that's been a big one for me as well over the years. My practice is a lot of herbs. It's probably 80% herbal medicine. But even over the years, it's been shifting because of the things that I see in my practice and stuff. So I, you know, really learning about my own limitations and, mm. and, and what, what I can do and what, and what I can't do and being accepting of that and, and you know, and not, not just attempting at, at the expense of a patient's finances or patients or time, right? right? Because, I mean, our objective should be, and I tell, I tell this to my patients all the time, is to get them out of our clinics as quickly as possible. I know, you know what? It's a really screwed up business model. It's like, I don't know any other business that's like, hey, I got a customer, I'm going to get rid of them. I know. And I, and I tell that to my patients all the time. I'm, I, I tell them I'm the worst businessman because I'm really, I just, I don't want to see them as much as I enjoy them. And they're nice people. And I like our conversations. I don't want them to come back. I want them to leave and uh, they need to get out of here as quickly as possible. And I want to get them sorted. But I think that ultimately it probably is a good business model. And I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't be talking about business. I am not a businessman. I am a clinician first and foremost. Yeah, but you are a bit, you know what? I think it's time for us to own this shit because, <laughs> because we are business people. If you are running a practice, you're a business person. Fair enough. Okay. And, here, and here's enough. the other thing. I don't think it does us a service and it certainly doesn't do our practice a service to go, well, actually, I'm not a business person. I'm a clinician. I'm not a business person because our practice requires the practice of practice. If we gave as much love and attention to our business as we give to our patients, we might have a whole different relationship with our business. It's true. Well said. That's, well said, my friend. And it's taken me a long time to come to that place because for a long time I was like, well, I'm doing this other thing because I gotta. 
But then I realized it's not that I gotta, it's that I get to. And that changed it for me. It just like totally shifted it for me. That's a, that's a great perspective. I totally, totally agree with you. You're, you're a wise one, my friend. Somebody should be interviewing you. I mean, you're interviewing everybody else. We should, uh, we should reverse this on you and, uh, and set up an interview with you. There have been a couple people that have done that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. I mean, on Everyday Acupuncture, years ago, Everyday Acupuncture, I, I went to go interview my first acupuncturist, Margot Rossi. Okay. And Margot, Margot's great. She goes, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to interview you. Oh, no way. So oh, it's right like, on. Yeah, so, I, so I like, it's like, okay, you, you interview me. I actually listened to it the other day for the first time in years. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, whoa. That's, that was fun. I didn't know that I thought that way. <laughs> and has your, ha, ha, did you find your perspective changed a lot over the years? It's, you know, sometimes you know stuff and then you forget you know it and then you come around and you go, oh, yeah, I knew that. But it, but because it's just what you do, you don't even think it's like breathing. It's just kind of the way you are. And then at the beginning of this year, for those of you listening to Geological Now, for the very first episode of uh, 2018, I was going to do a little solo show just to introduce how the show was going to be structured in the coming year. And then my friend Paola Campanelli mm. said, uh, by the way, I'd like to interview you for Geological. And I, I said, yes. So that, that's a more recent interview. But hey, brother, if you want to interview me sometime. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm going to think up some really thought-provoking questions. And You uh... <laughs> think up some crazy thought-provoking questions. We'll do another free-form Thursday. Yes. Yes. This should be a thing. Um, hope it, it should be a thing. Yeah, that would be fun. Okay. Well, hey, I, I have patience to go see, and I have to go eat lunch first. Okay. So thank you so much for the time to this. This is really a blast, and I hope that all of you that have been listening in, even through all the sunspots, and you know, maybe it's because they're working on the street outside in front. I don't know. Anyway, I, I apologize about the sound quality today. I'll try to do better next time. And uh, Aran. Yes, sir. Thank you for making the time, my brother, and... Uh, Maybe we'll do a show in China here real soon. Anytime, my friend. Yes, let's let's talk, and that would be really fun. Let's uh, let's meet in Nanjing this uh, this spring and uh, do another show from there. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological. There's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.